welcome to another edition of Turn Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had a life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, someone I've known for a very long time, but never had the chance to have this conversation with, from the band Section Hate, from the band Furious Styles, from the band Spitting Teeth. Mike Torres is here, a.k.a. Vegan Mike, a.k.a. Mexi, a.k.a. Mexi Mike, a.k.a. X Mike Mosh X. And this is a fun conversation with someone who's had an incredible journey through punk rock. More on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to that email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and normally guest booker extraordinaire, and he will get the message to me. You can also find me, though, on Twitter or Instagram at Left for Damien. The show has an Instagram at Turned Out a Punk and a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Turned Out a Punk, I believe. Uh, those are both run by Tristan, and you can communicate with the show that way. If you want to support the show, the best way to support the show is by telling all your friends about it, letting everyone know that you know that we have this podcast that we do a couple times a week. Uh, and yes, yeah, spread the word that way. You can also support the show by subscribing to it and rating it on your platform of choice that you listen to. Uh, you can also support the show by heading over to turnedoutapunk.com and checking out some of the great uh, new shirts. I say great. I designed them, so that's a little braggadocious. They're, they're cool. They're cool. Check out those shirts over there at turnedoutapunk.com for your uh, wearing pleasure. And you can also support the show by heading over to patreon.com slash turn into punk and checking some of the stuff that gets put over there, put up over there. There's uh, footnotes, there's video versions of some of the episodes, there's uh, all sorts of stuff, all sorts of fun stuff to be found over there at the Patreon. All right, on to, oh, I guess before we get on to the show, I played a band called Fucked Up. We've put out a bunch of new records. A bunch of stuff's coming out. Uh, Year of the Horse just came out this week. Uh, there's tons, tons of stuff. Epics and Minutes is coming out soon. David Comes to Life reissue. There's a bonus David Comes to Life reissue record. You can find out tons more information about this stuff over there at fuckedup.cc. Or you can head to Tank Crimes for Year of the Horse. For Epics and Minutes, go to Get Better Records. And for... David Comes to Life, go to Matador Records. And I think there's some other stuff, but that's it. Man, you just the band, it's, it's, it's churning back to life, slowly but surely. We, we're going to be playing shows, knock on wood, in the new year. You can check out fuckedup.cc for more information on that, and that is that. All right, on to today's show. Today on the show, from the band Section 8, Mike Torres is here. Now, Mike is someone who I've known for, as I say, a, a while now. I didn't know him in Spitting Teeth, his first band, but or well, his first band that put out records, but I've certainly known him over the last few years, and so to watch him in the last year or so, you know, or last last few years, Section Hate slowly build this audience and become this sort of force within punk and hardcore has been really awesome to see happen. Many of you, I'm sure, saw that video that went viral as one of the first sort of post-pandemic outdoor shows where they were playing under a bridge. And people are setting off, there's like bonfires and people are setting off road flares. I don't say under a bridge, it's under like a, a highway free pa- freeway underpass type thing. And there's a cop car that drives by with its lights on at one point and probably takes one look and is like, yeah, I don't want any of this and drives off. But that video is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So 
I, Mike is someone I've wanted to have on the show for a while, and finally this thing has happened. Uh, there is uh, tons of stuff in this one. It's a really interesting episode. He's had a very, very rough life at times. I think I think that's fair to say. I think he'd even admit that too. And so to watch him kind of come out on the other side and through punk rock and kind of you know build this thing, it's it's a very inspiring, very inspiring episode. Uh, pick up the Section Hate LP, Welcome to the Nightmare, which came out this last year on Flat Spot Records. Uh, you can get that thing wherever you get records. It's online, it's on CD and on vinyl as well. Uh, you can also find Spitting Teeth Records, as Mike says, in taller bins everywhere. I think the band's fucking awesome. So grab self Spitting Teeth and, and you know, check out the musical journey. Uh, also... Mike sent me this band that he talks about in the episode. I don't want to give you too many spoilers, but oh my god! Hopefully, hopefully at one point we we have a uh, a moment where we can finally have the War Scars record come out because this thing is a monster. Oh, this thing rages. Okay, I'm not gonna ramble on anymore. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Mexi on Turned Out a Punk. <laughs> Vegan Mike, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> thank, you. thank you for having me. I, I really, really am stoked to have you on here because I think, obviously, Section Hate has been kind of like the band, you know, the, the big kind of discovery for a lot of people, I think, during the pandemic period and, and just sort of like seeing footage of you guys and everything like that. But I've wanted to have you on this show for a very long time because I go much deeper into your discography than just Section Hate. There is, uh, you are one of those rare people that have been a part of this thing for a very long time, but also been a part of like very different parts of this thing for a very long time. So, really stoked to have you on the show. Oh, I'm stoked, stoked to be on here, man. This is it's a handful of podcasts I actually like, and this is so. <laughs> so, thank you for having me. I'm I'm hyped. Well, that means that's awesome. And, you know, we've hung together in real life, but never talked to you about any of the, uh, the, the thrash days. So I am, I'm ready to talk about all this stuff today. That's awesome. I feel like, yo, I, I, I think that's something I like the most about this was that, you know, about that, you know, <laughs> happened. you know what I mean? Like a lot of it is, I, I, I was talking about this with somebody else. Uh, like when, when you'd hit me up about doing this and, the one thing I said was like, this dude knows about me before the last, like, like pre the last decade, you know what I mean? Musically and everything like, you know, not a lot of people put piece, all of those things together. So like that, I'm even that that's just that I had anything to do with any of that shit. So. Well, I think the other, and I think the other thing that's awesome is you and me have both sat under the same hardcore learning tree at the feet of Pete Janess, who is a legendary record store owner um first in seattle and well first in i think vancouver then seattle then toronto and then back to vancouver uh but you know both you and i have bought records from pete so i think we also have that shared bond so we can... oh yeah yeah dude i mean pete pete is responsible for a number i mean shit i mean him him and steve-o that worked at singles pete's store and then this dude byron uh, all of them had something to do with everything I got into, like as a, in my late teens, you know, cause it was like, I, I used to, my first apartment was two blocks away from Pete's store. So I would just, you know, I worked at a movie theater and I would skate down, down to the store, 
And like everything was new to me then, you know what I mean? They would all, especially like just hardcore, hard, every aspect of punk and hardcore. Like I was into basic punk and like oi and all that stuff and like New York hardcore. And I think that was probably it. Mm-hmm. And then those dudes just got me going on everything. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just everything you can think of. So yeah, like a real, like, you know, I, I learned about so much stuff from Pete, like power pop stuff and like, you know, obscure stuff that like I thought I knew about stuff. And then, you know, when hits and misses moved into town, I was just there every day. <laughs> like, yeah. And he's the best. He's the best dude. I mean, I haven't seen him in, you know, 15 years or something, but like, you know, when you're young and like those like like age 15 to like 21, 22, like that felt like 30 years. Mm-hmm. That felt like the longest time for me. Like so all of that stuff back there, I have so many more memories from that time period. And, and, and like a lot of it involves the record store, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like I said, like figuring out what you're into, you know what I mean? Or maybe you're into everything, you know, <laughs> maybe you're into everything under the punk umbrella, you know, but. Well, we're going to get to the, you know, these days, but we got to start the way they all start off, which is Mike, how did you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Okay. That's always, yeah. I mean, I, I think it goes back. It's, it, I say that I've always, when anyone asks me about this, I feel like it's because of Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. It's because, it's because, it's because of them. And um, like, I got into like, like, like I figured out, uh, like I started formulating my own tastes and things when I was probably like nine, like nine or 10 years old, like fourth, fifth grade, where like I stopped listening to like, you know, whatever music my parents were listening to. And I, I started discovering things that I liked and I got really into Guns N' Roses. They were really big then, you know what I mean? It was very, Terminator 2 had just come out. Like it was a big deal. You Could Be Mine was like on, on the radio all the time. And so I started listening to, uh, a lot of that and like a lot of like the heavy metal radio station uh i lived in san diego at the time and like there's a metal radio station there and so i was listening to like you know those types of things metallica guns and roses whatever and i feel like the first like glimpse into punk was like i saw guns and roses on guns and roses metallica body count tour in 1992 and i was 10 at the time and i remember uh Obviously, they like they recorded this later, but Guns N' Roses covered The Misfits, and yeah. so I was like, I was like, what was that? You know what I mean? What was that song? And like Axel was talking about, like, oh, it's gonna be on like a punk cover record we do, and I'm like, what? You know, I mean, I knew what punk rock was, but I didn't know what it was. You know, I, I hadn't, I hadn't figured out a whole lot beyond like that it was this existing thing, and I would, I feel like The Misfits was like. Them and Suicidal were the first things I ever really figured out existed. And uh, Suicidal too, because they were like, you know, at the time they were like, uh, uh, again, they were on the radio a lot because like Art of Rebellion had just come out. And then and then like a little bit after that, like Still Psycho came out where they redid all the songs on the first record. And I was really into them. But it was just because, again, because it was on the heavy metal station. So I was like, all right, you know, what? what is this? And and like the Nirvana thing was happening then too. Uh, and they would always, you know, they would, you look at, it, it was back, you know, when you look at like a band's t-shirts or like what bands they're talking about type of thing. And I feel like all of those like really big uh, bands 
got me leaning that way. And then everything shifted anyway. I don't know. You probably remember this, like, you know, like 1993 when it was like, then green day happened and like rancid and broke. Yeah. All that, all that shit started happening and like heavy metal started kind of going away except for Pantera for some reason. And, uh, and like, you know, first there was like green day and offspring. I remember it was that same year too. It was like green day, offspring, rancid all had these big records, but like, I feel like the first thing where I, where I really was like dialed in on like punk rock and like, you know, things that looked crazy, sounded crazy was like, like the, the rancid salvation video. I saw that and I was like, okay, this doesn't look like Green Day. You know what I mean? Like, this doesn't look like an offspring who just look like regular California people. Like, this looks crazy. This is not the same thing. It is, but it isn't. It's adjacent to it. But I was, I, I, I saw that. I liked that. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to start going that way. Whatever the hell this is. I, I need to know what these dudes are into. I need to know more about this, you know? And I feel like, yeah, I feel like it, it just kind of started there. It's all kind of a blur because I was in like fifth and sixth grade. It's it's funny too though that Guns N' Roses tour that that was the infamous tour where they had the ride in Montreal and yes. then they didn't play Toronto so that was I was supposed to go but I remember when the spaghetti incident came out my mom found out about the Charles Manson cover on that record and <laughs> flipped and then it was like you know I was like oh maybe it's easier just to like Nirvana yeah I mean there was dude it was so it was so peculiar to me because like. My, my mother is a, she's a, you know, she's not like a, she's not a conservative type. She's a very, like, she's a, she's a religious woman. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mom was a nun for nine years before oh, she wow. ever married my father, had kids, all that type of shit. And uh, so my mom has like been like, you know, she's just kind of like a fucking grown up. You know what I mean? Like, like my mom is like, she's a very nice lady. She's not judgmental. She's not a bad person at all. She just, uh, you know, she just grew up, you know, she was born in 1940 and she just grew up a certain way. She's, you know. And somehow I started fucking with stuff like Guns N' Roses and Metallica. And like, she just didn't read into it that much. She just did, you know, and and I thought that was so peculiar because I was like, yo, this music is really fucked up. Like I am a child and I have no business listening to this and it's going to fuck my whole life up. And, and it, and it did. And, and it's great. (laughs) But, but it was like, this is, this is like, this stuff I was like, like in hindsight, I'm like, yo, I have no business hearing this shit when I'm like a little ass kid. Like, and yet I, I was, I was, I was all in, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the Guns N' Roses Metallica thing too. Like body count opened. And like, I was, could not believe that shit. Yeah. I, it was the coolest. That was, that was honestly like one of the, I mean, that whole show was that the, the, the three band show there was the most stacked thing in the world. And it was mm-hmm. like, and me being like a little kid, I went with my dad and like, you know, no one else in my fifth grade class went to that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and you know, you know, the, you know, when you do that thing where you kind of like, like, like you're certain you're going to be able to pull this off. So you, uh, you kind of start telling the kids in class, like, I'm going to go to that. Like, I'm going to do this. And right up until the day of that, I had not figured out how I was going to do that. You know what I mean? I, I was just like, and I was embarrassed and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to look like a sucker when I like, come back to school and then it came and went and then, and I didn't, I didn't go. And I remember even the day, the day I went to that, I, uh, I remember telling my, my dad, I was like, yo, I feel sick. Like I want to stay home from school. And mostly cause I was just embarrassed. You know what I mean? I had no idea how I was going to get there. And my dad, I remember my dad was like, cool. Yeah, that's fine. You, you look like you're kind of sick. Like, yeah, you should stay home. And I was like, why was that so easy? Like I shouldn't have been as easy as it was. Like he should have just told me to fuck myself. But, but I, I, um, uh, 
so I was chilling and I remember he was like, he asked me to like hand him something. Can't remember what it was. I'd like pick something up on a table and I went and picked up whatever it was. And there was tickets to see Guns N' Roses under that. And he had gone and got them and was like, I'm taking you to this shit today. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. You know? And it was such a game changer though, you know, for everything. Like that was the first time I'd ever really been to like, you know, anything like that. I'd been like, I kissed my parents' ass and like go to like dumb things with them. Like I saw like John Denver with my mom, you know, and like Neil Diamond, like shit like that. Like, you know, stuff that like, Cause I just wanted to go to like any kind of thing, you know, any yeah. kind of like event was, was, was fun. You know, everything's fun when you're like a little kid. And after that, I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like all of this is crazy. Everybody here is a lunatic. Like I, 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 I love this. I have to, I have to, I have to see more things like this. And like, after that, it was like straight through middle school, like up until I was in eighth grade, like, I saw a lot of things. Like I saw a lot of shows when I was little, like, you know, I saw suicidal, I saw the Ramones. I saw, you know, a lot of alternative stuff. Cause at that time I was like, it was, I was into punk and metal and like alternative things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like kind of all of it, you know, like just cause a lot of it was really popular. MTV was still an interesting thing then. Like there was music videos and stuff. And like a lot of it was good, you know? And I was just, you know, Soundgarden, things like that. Like, you know, just what kind of whatever I could get to, I, I would go to. It, it also seems like there's, you know, always been decent to good hard rock, for lack of a better term, radio in Southern California, like from Los Angeles down. And it, it, it is that, is it not like that elsewhere? No, like, I, well, certainly not like that in Canada. Like, we did have like aggressive stations, but you wouldn't hear, you know, like a lot of this stuff. Like, it's funny, like, I was just thinking, like, there's no way uh body count was the opener on the the canadian leg of that tour it was yeah it was faith no more up to a point oh that must have been faith no more up here because there's yeah there's no way they would have like because it's just so like body count i remember when that came out that was like you know front page news even here about cop killer and stuff that was a big deal like and that was like i remember like as a little kid like that was something that that really stands out to me like what kind of made it special at the time i felt like was it really bothered people Mm -hmm. like it really set the establishment you know what I mean? Like, just like one song was like, I can't believe you're doing this. You know what I mean? And you get this like, you know, you get the the parental advisory crowd that's like, you know, we're going to put a stop to this, to this, you know, in whatever way we can, you know, and, and, and it was, it was like the biggest fuck you ever at that point, you know, like, like cop killer was such, I mean, and it, it, it's, it's, it's a, whatever, it's a great song. It's just, you know, it's just like a, it's just like a dumb, fucking song man, that's super mean you know and like it really like like I, it, it, it was such a big deal you know what i mean i was like okay my mom knows what this is like everyone knows my mom doesn't know about anything like this and she knows what that is mm-hmm. you know what i mean those are like ah, oh, this isn't that good like you could have the tape but like this isn't good just so you know you know that was that there was definitely that i don't know it was cool oprah did oprah talked about it like they did oprah's about it right like there was like it was like yeah like a huge news story it's amazing like you're saying like it's hard to think of something coming out today and having like being able to have that kind of impact you know like because it's just there's obviously we've been we've heard a lot of this stuff now but also just like it it was we had such a, a a mass media at that point that just reached everybody so when something was like turned on like that it was really turned on and I, and I mean, I think that that's just also has a lot to do with just the world changing in general. Like, like, you know, there was, uh, you know, there was no internet. There was like, 
something like this, it was like, there was, there was just really two things. There was like, you know, you, 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 the radio and you listen to the music you listen to and like underground things that maybe weren't on the radio. And then, you know, then there's just like, <laughs> you know, MTV. And then there's, then there's the fucking news, you know what I mean? And then like this and that. So it could be like, like something like that. It would be like, all right, it's like making some noise over here. And these people over here are pissed about it. And they're going to all talk about it. And the fact that like, it's like, like there's no song today that's going to be so upsetting that like the president knows about, it. you know, <laughs> it's not like, and it's because everybody knows about everything. Everyone has so much access to everything. You know what I mean? It's just everywhere. Like no, and nothing's shocking anymore. You know, like, you know, for better or for worse, it, it's it, so much more shit is acceptable now than it was then. And even now it's like, I, and I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I, I feel old for this, but like, I do miss the old, the old world. I would do miss how it was when everything wasn't at your fingertips you know what i mean when you had to really you had to really give a fuck like you had to look for things like there was a whole you had to search for stuff you know like it, i felt like it, it meant a little bit more yeah. at time no i mean it, it, to you on a personal level you know what i mean like i'm like i really feel this that's like why i fuck with it you know what i mean like i because I, I mean now it's like you know especially with like musical scenes anything like that people come and go they're like kind of tourists about it you know and, and that's fine that's okay i don't care you know you can hang out for a week and that's great you know and go be a grown-up or whatever that's what you feel like doing i'm, I'm, I'm not gonna judge anyone for that um but like I just felt like, it, yeah, like certain things mattered more to people. Yeah, well, you've had, you know, I keep looking at that Judgment Night poster behind you. And like that soundtrack, I listened to that thing forever because, you know, that thing cost me like 20 some odd dollars to get. And so when I had yeah. it, like I, 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 I studied that thing like it was it was precious. It was cool, too, man. That was yeah. that the Judgment Night soundtrack was really cool because, again, because it was new. Like there wasn't, there wasn't new metal. There wasn't rap rock. Like none of that had really happened. Mm -hmm. Like aside from like Anthrax and Public Enemy, Bring the Noise. And like, obviously, like, well, like this doesn't even really count. I feel like, but like Run DMC and Aerosmith, but like, like this like mashing up of genres, like that was such a new thing then. And that was fucking cool. You know what I mean? It was, it was like, and it was like, also, I remember it was something where like me and my brother could have like a meeting in the minds on because my brother, when we were little, when we were little, little, like, you know what I mean? When I was like nine or 10 and he's like 11 or 12 at the time, he liked rap. That's what he was into. And like most of it, I was, I was just like, oh, this is cool. But I, I didn't really care about it. And then there were certain things. There was, a, I remember it kind of clicked with me where like, if like you were on the Judgment Night soundtrack, it might be a little cooler. Like I was like, oh, Onyx is cool. Like this is cool because this, this doesn't feel too far removed from what I already like. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, oh, Onyx and Biohazard, this is great. You know, this is, a, this is, this is uh, like, if this, per if this group is fucking with this group, then it must be cool. There must be something that's like, you know, like lightweight fucking punk about it. You know what I mean? There must be something different about it. And, but I mean, now it's like, I like all of that shit. Every, every, every record my brother liked when we were little, I like now, you know, it just, it just took me a little while, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about that soundtrack too. It's like, it's not just big name obvious people at the time you know like there's some like alternative artists and there's even like like dell the hunk funky homo sapiens on there too like obviously he had a major label record around then but like still it's like he was cool. yeah dell wasn't yeah he wasn't he, he was not public enemy you know what i mean like yeah. not you know, not not the same and like yeah wasn't it like dell and dinosaur jr or something yep. on there yeah that's 
fucking cool, man. That's that's like that's such a cool thing. The song's good too. I was listening to it. I still listen to Judgment Night like once a month. Like I just if I can't think of something to put on, I put that on in the car. And there's some great there's some great shit on there. There's some stuff that I don't love now. Like I, I I'm like like I, I didn't like the uh, there's like a Living Color Run DMC song on there that I I I don't I don't like it that much. I don't I just don't like Living Color, man. I, I you know I I can't get into that. I, I don't know. It's just yeah. Well, I think that, well that was the thing. It was like an, it was like a great sampler for both rap and you know rock music, I guess, because there's so many different artists on there. Like I remember hearing. I think if I'm being honest with myself, that's probably the first place I heard Sonic Youth and yeah and being like and just being like what the hell is this and <laughs> i heard sonic youth um kind of on accident um do you remember like columbia house or like bmg like when they would send you cd you would do the sign up for the club thing and yeah pay like a penny and they send you cds there was a lot of accidental stuff i got in there or things that i got like just on a whim like i feel like i got sonic youth through that because because of nirvana because like nirvana was like obviously but they would be like this this is this is the shit we like or whatever these are people we're friends whatever whatever it was i feel like that's how i got that like there were certain things like like and, and mind you this is like sixth seventh grade like you know like i got i, I got things that i they, they would start sending you stuff based on other stuff you got i remember and i got like you know i had bought like helmet meantime through there and then like then i ended up with biohazard because of that you know yeah. what i mean and and, and obviously like I think I, maybe I got the Judgment Night soundtrack through there. I, I'm not really sure. I don't remember, but uh, I just I even remember how I heard the the Judgment Night soundtrack was going to happen. Was was uh there was an MTV News thing, but it, it showed Ice T. It was like Ice T and Slayer working together on on the, this thing, and I was like, "Yo, that is crazy. That's that's the craziest thing in the fucking world," you know, and. Now in hindsight, too, the fact that they just did like a medley of exploited songs is the coolest thing in the world to me. Like, because I didn't know what the exploited was yet. I, I heard the name, what it was. I saw that. I remember seeing like exploit. I exploited tape. It was like some sort of like best of or something like that. It had like a weird distorted picture of Wadi on the front. And I remember just thinking it looked scary. Like when I was little, I was like, oh, that's like kind of like rancid, but it looks scarier. Something looks meaner about this. Like I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I ended up buying the tape, and I was like, oh, this is cool. This is hard. I like, I like whatever this is started to figure out that the Slayer Ice-T thing was, was, was covers, sort of. They changed the riffs a bunch, but, like, I, I, it took me a second. At first, I was just like, yo, what is this, like, really hard song? It's like, and I remember liking, too, that I was like, yo, this is just a straight-up, this is just a straight metal song. Like, this isn't, like, rap rock. This is just Ice-T singing hard shit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's fucking cool. Yeah, I've Very always cool. wanted to talk to him about, because he, he, he seems like he's, well, he, he does. He obviously loves, like, heavy stuff. He did, he did that stuff with Riley and, and things mm -hmm. like that you know like um you know he must have been into that stuff as it was kind of happening you know like i mean yeah that's i mean that's that's kind of what i put together like i mean i feel like the dude is just well versed in things you know what i yeah. mean he likes he doesn't like like i got okay so i read i read his autobiography because my mom got it for me for christmas a couple <laughs> years ago and she's like i figure you'll like this that's and, a good and, gift yeah Oh, it's great. It, and it was, it's such a cool book because I'm like, yo, this dude is the coolest person in the world. Like, like he just kind of has his hands in everything. Like anything he wants to do, he just goes and does, it. you know what I mean? And it like, like he doesn't feel like he, he's the type of person who doesn't put himself, like he doesn't feel like he needs to stay in any lane. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of dabble in whatever. If you can do it a little bit, then go do it. You know, 
be an actor, start a metal band, be a rapper, like do all of these things, you know? And, and like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I was reading that and I'm like, this fool just kind of knows about everything. I feel like, you know, he, he knows, he knows enough about everything, you know, which is, yeah. which is, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, you know what it is too. It's a lot of like, like, like I don't look at him as like, Oh, it's this rapper doing stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Versus like, sometimes when you're like, like dudes from hip hop, you're that start fucking with like some rock shit. And it just sounds like, like it's not natural. Mm. Like it sounds like, 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 Oh, this is like, this is what you think this is supposed to sound like, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound very good or whatever. Like, then it comes off a little weird. Like I loved little Wayne. And then he did, a, you know, they did the rock record. And I was like, well, oh, this is, this, this is not good. But, but it's so uh, weird how that rock record becomes the thing that's super influential to like young thug and like that whole right. next wave, you know, like that's the thing I find so fascinating is like, it's almost like all these things that come out that are like missteps in our eyes as they're happening. And, for sure. But for like younger kids that are hearing it for the first time, they're like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, I mean, that's just taste. Everybody's taste is different, you know what I yeah. mean? And it, it, you, the way how it's something could be that could be just the first time you've ever heard some shit like that, you know what I mean? It all, it all, it all depends. There's stuff that people love that I just, I, I can't even figure out what that what they like about it, you know what I mean? Like, and and I'll know, you know, someone that's younger than me that's just like, yo, I think that, that is great, and I'm like, that's so interesting because I think it sounds terrible, but you know, and then yeah. th that's what I'm feeling old, yeah, because well, that's, that's I, like I, the only. Go on, sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say that's, that was that's how I felt this summer during the Lollapalooza Limp Bizkit thing, where I'm like, oh, we've hit this point where Limp Bizkit now is is like all the people that would have been young when they were happening the first time are are old enough now that Limp Bizkit's become cool. They've been culturally reassessed to being like the cool band, which is so odd to me. Like I have no beef with Limp Bizkit, but like Same. I remember they were they were upsetting to me when I was little <laughs> because like. And, and in my experience with Limp Bizkit, I, I saw them live before I ever heard anything about them because they did a warp tour. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was 1997. And I was 14. That's all I remember is I was 14 years old. So it was 97. Um, and, you know, it was like sick of it all. Pennywise, like warp tour, 90 shit and gutter mouth, all that, that type of shit. And limp biscuit and I, I didn't really I, I only remember it because they didn't last very long on stage like they were up there for like i mean it felt like maybe three three four songs and people were throwing shit at them someone someone i feel like someone stole fred durst windbreaker like i think somebody threw piss at them like it was something it was fucked up like people weren't you know this is this is in southern california too where like warp tour world like that's where you know what i mean this is like where pennywise people thrive like people that hated me in high school like that was like the enemy when I was a kid was like skateboard gutter mouth Pennywise people. And they, this was like their fucking playground every year. It was like warp tour is here. Like we're going to go here and be awful. And anything that didn't seem to fit right was fucked. You know what I mean? Like it was fucked and Limp Bizkit was fucked. This wasn't going to work. And I remember seeing him and I remember being like, what the fuck is this, this is kind of rap? I don't understand what's happening. I I'm a child and this is just really weird to me. And then you know, two years goes by and I'm like, holy shit, that is the biggest band in the world right now. What, like, what is, this? like, what, what happened here? You know what I mean? Like, I, cause in my head, I was like, okay, we're never going to hear about this again. This is going to, you know, they gave it a whirl and this is trash and no one likes it, you know? And then, you know, 99 MTV, now they're big. So they, they always um, had like a bunch of artists like that. where like, it would be, they had like Sugar Ray played it one year. 
or mm-hmm. like you know or I, uh same year that yeah like- yeah and black eyed peas did it one year mm-hmm. and eminem i think it was the same year that was a scarhead year too eminem eminem year i remember because i went i feel like it was the year that uh, i think rancid was on it eminem um i i'm not certain because these are a little blurred together of these two years but i feel like ice tea and suicidal yes. might have been on it too yeah yeah it's just a substantial, like it's a big memory for me because like I like I was like 16 or something like that. Um and actually met Eminem at the warp tour when I was like a little punk kid, you know what I mean? I, I looked like I was in the exploited or some shit. And he was really nice to me, and that's all I remember about it was he was cool. <laughs> we talked about drugs. Like I I was really into drinking uh uh cough medicine and taking Dramamine. I don't know if you ever did that, but like you, where you like, you drink like a, like a Robitussin DM, like a whole bottle of Robitussin DM and take a couple Dramamine and you literally like trip, like your fucking brain takes you somewhere else. Like you're, Robo tripping, right? That's what, they, yeah. that's, that's what they call it up here. Yeah. That, yeah. But it's basically what they called it here too. And then like, then there was like a pill form of it too, where you had to eat like 30 of them. And then you like, it, it's totally bad for you, but, yeah, yeah. but, but it was like something that, that, you know, when I was 16 years old, I was really into because yeah. like, I like we get sick of beer and we'd be like, let's do something weird. And I remember talking to Eminem about that when I was like a little kid and, and he was real nice about it. And he was like, I got to try that. Like, he's like, I'm going to try that out. And I was just like, don't do it when you're going to have to perform because you're sitting on a couch fool. Like you're not going to be able to do anything. And that's my only interaction with that person ever in my life. And I just, it was, it was a pleasant one. So I kind of fuck with him because of that. That's awesome. He, uh, uh, I think black eyed peas were on that one too, that year. They might've been like, I mean, I, I was I was not actively like able to see you know everything. I had somehow had like a soft spot for Eminem then because of this. Uh, I feel like I was like it was a weird time period where I might have me and a couple friends used to live in an attic of this house, and with this weird family that just let us live there. And we were like little kids, like sixteen years old, something like that, and technically homeless. So it was like we lived in this house, and there was like the brother of the family was like just this weird guy and he really liked Eminem so I remember like hearing it a lot so I I feel like I saw him like twice that year somehow live just because of like this this dude he was like we're gonna go see Eminem I'm like all right you know like that's that's fine but that so I I feel like I watched him on purpose at at the Warped Tour and obviously like I see suicidal um rancid but you know what it is you can't really go see everything because there's like you know, sometimes there's two things happening at once. You got to look at the schedule and just kind of see what you really give a fuck about. So like black IP stuff like that. I said, I didn't care about it, you know, but um, you bring up also a good point. Like we or an interesting point. I find when you talk to people from California is that like, or just in general, the geographical differences about the way stuff's taken up, like, so that Epifat stuff, you know, like it, it, it's jock music uh, in the like sort of mid nineties where here it's like, you know, definitely much more underground, but from when talking to people in California, like that was definitely like what the asshole jocks would be blasting. It was like, like the best way, like, like when people talk about like their high school experience and, you know, you have like the version of it on television where like the football team beats you up or whatever, like that type of shit. Um, mm. When I was in high school, I only went to regular high school for probably about four months. Um, and it was like right out the gate, like my first day, like, you know, I get called, a fucking bag it by somebody like the moment I get to high school I've been there for five minutes and it was a like a gutter mouth Pennywise guy and that was like a type of person like like beach people like they like they they rode skateboards they hung out at the beach um 
and they didn't like real punks. You know what I mean? I mean, for, for lack of a better term, like actual punk rockers, they just thought, yeah, you and the goth people and everybody else were all fucking losers and they hated all of us. And I didn't really know that, you know, I didn't know it until it happened. Like I, I, uh, the, like from age 13 to 15, I was in a, in a, in a facility for bad, like bad, bad kids. I, so I had, I lived in the middle of the woods for two years and you weren't allowed to really have, you didn't, couldn't have music. You couldn't like I, the no connection to the world. And you're like 30 miles from any civilization. So I didn't kind of didn't know about stuff. Like I, I knew about like middle school. I knew about things. Obviously I started going to concerts and whatnot, but then there was like a whole two year period where like, just like real, like social things. I didn't really know about anything mm-hmm. like, I, and I wasn't my experience, you know, I'm in this place where you're like not allowed to fucking date girls or even touch them or even like, you know, so like natural teenage things, you like just are completely like banned from your life. So I don't know about anything. And like, and there's only like a hundred people in this place. So it's like, there's no, like, there's no subculture allowed. So you don't know, like everybody just kind of gets along with everybody because you're just there in this fucking place. And uh, for the most part, and then I go to high school and I'm like, Oh shit. Like, this is a type of person and it's like punk adjacent, but it hates me, you know? And, and what's funny about that though, is those types of people fucking love me now. You know I mean? Now, now old and they're like, Oh, you're like, they think I'm cool or some shit. And I'm just like, you would have fucking, you and your friends would have beat me up in high school for sure. Like, no, would have hated everything I'm into, but whatever. I don't know. Growing up is weird. California. Yeah, well, it's so it is like a real California thing, you know, like where this stuff is, you know, Tony Molina brought up when he was on the show, like the the difference, the power violence on the uh, West Coast versus the East Coast, where it's kind of like nerdy music out on the East Coast in the 90s, where it's like and it's real music, like street hardcore music out on the West Coast at the same time. Right. Like same way. It's like the the differences between like the way like these bands are seen where here it's like there's not enough kids. The bullies definitely didn't like, <laughs> they were listening to the tragically hip. They were not listening to Pennywise up here. So right, it's, right, right. It's fascinating how it's just like differently, you know, another thing also I wanted to talk to you about, you mentioned going to that suicidal show uh, right out of the gate. And uh, yeah. I've always heard from people coming on that San Diego is like even crazier than LA for violence in the eighties. Had that kind of subsided into the nineties for shows like that? Like that show. So that one was, it was weird. So it's 1994 that yeah. I saw the first time and, but they were on tour with Metallica. So it was a metal show, but it was out. They, they played out in the, in, in, it was basically like, I guess it's where this like amphitheater is now, but at the time it was just like a private plane, like tiny airport out there. And they built a stage in the middle of the desert. And so it's out there and those types of people were there, but like, I didn't understand them necessarily. Like, you know, like all the, like, the suicidal thing was definitely a thing. That was a thing even with like when I was a little kid, like when I was a teenager, like, I mean, and like, you know, there are people from that group of people that I get along with great now, but like when we were little kids, it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that's actually a, a big thing I remember. Cause I, I lived in Oceanside, which is like North County, San Diego. And there was a, a suicidal click there and they were older. They're like 30 years old or some shit like that. And, you know, we were 16 years old. And our little group had like punks and skinheads in it and they don't like skinheads. It seems like historically that's a thing. So, which we got into it with them 
uh, especially like up in Oceanside, like if there were shows there, like we would get into it with them then, you know, you'd be drinking beer with them and then they would like jump you and like weird shit like that. It was, it was very odd. And, you know, it, you, you figure it out by, by like stuff like that happening to you, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well now this is what it is. Cause this dude just fucking punched me or hit me with a bottle. So like, okay, that's what this is. And yeah, I mean, and I know like, you know, in LA was a different world. I would go up there, but I didn't live there yet. You know, obviously I haven't, I've only lived here for 12 years. So I, I didn't live there yet. I would just visit, especially for like shows and things like that. And yeah, you know, I do remember it being very fighty. Like there was a lot of like, you know, a lot of drunk shit and a lot of people getting into it. And it was like that. And it was a little, you know, it was, it was unsettling. Like even just all through the nineties, I feel like, you know, the eighties, yeah. everyone makes the eighties sound completely insane, but like, how I feel about any of that stuff is I'm just like, you know, you're always just going to make it sound crazier because there's no proof that it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I read a lot of books about it now. Like now these books are coming out, like fucking discos out murders in and like uh, I bought another one recently that I haven't jumped into, but I like flipped through it. And I'm like, I, I remember reading that book and it's, you know, there's like, it's, it's basically like, it's based around like a certain, a certain like punk gang from the eighties. And then the other ones are in there too, but it was like, you know, the punk gang that it's basically that's based on is like, we were the baddest motherfuckers in the world. And these dudes weren't shit and blah, blah, blah. Like, and I'm always like, that's just like, you know, that's just the perspective you're going to have if you're the one writing the book, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's going to be the baddest motherfucker ever. Um, and, and I feel like that's how it goes for anyone writing a book or a script or like anything about something like that. They're going to, you know, they're going to be like, yeah, we were the biggest, we had the most dudes and we always won and this and that, like yeah. whatever. Well, you're writing but, your own history, right? Like that's the thing. You gotta make you gotta make it as, as rich as possible. For sure. I just think it's I think it's funny some of it where I was like, there's like a part in that book where they're talking about how this dude, the dude who like was talking about stabbing this dude that was like riding by on a scooter, just stabbed him and he died. And I'm like, I, I don't know if you I don't know if that's true, man. Like it sounds because like you just admitted to a murder in your book, and I think that that's a little bit weird. Um <laughs> that might not have happened, but but I don't know. You know what I mean? Maybe it did, maybe fucking you know he's just flagrant as hell he doesn't care you know i have no idea but i feel like yeah like there's always like everybody has these stories it's also up to the interpretation of the people looking at it like i can see some terrible shit and it doesn't like do anything to me like i don't think it's even like i'll just be like laughing you know and i'll like some horrible will be happening like near me and i'm maybe just so used to things being crazy or whatever like or having been crazier another time that i'll be like oh that's not that crazy like the interpretation of things by by individual people is 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 really so interesting to me. I had something like that recently because I was at a show here, and this is like this month, and it's, you know some kid like threw somebody on the ground that I knew, and I went over and I was like, "Don't you know? Don't do that. Like we're not. We're not there's no fight. We're not doing that. Like you know, be 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 good." And I fucked up. I like went and looked on Twitter because I just have a band Twitter now and that I fuck with. And occasionally I'll like search the, you know, I'll search the band name or something like that. See like, you know, is any, you know, they may say any nice stuff, whatever. And this kid was like, you know, dude from section eight wanted to throw hands because I threw his homie on the ground. I'm like, that is what you got out of that. Like, <laughs> like that's so different than what, and like, like, I was like, you went all the way home thinking about this. I like told you to knock it off and then went back to my little corner and kept watching the band. Like, I didn't even think about it after that. Yeah. And I'm like, and this person like, like left the show and went somewhere. I'm like, yo, that was like a whole thing for you. And like, literally, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to fight a person at inside this record store that has shows at all whatsoever, mm -hmm. but mostly like, I was just, yo, man, I kind of saved your life just then, bro. Like, like, like you're some, you know, like, 
there's a bunch of little 20 year olds here that might want to impress somebody that are just going to fucking beat the shit out of you, man. Like, 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 I don't want that to happen. I don't want none of this, nothing. It's not that big of a, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And that's all like, it's interesting. Like the interpretation that people have, where they'll be like, it was fucking mayhem all the time, dude. And I'm like, that show wasn't even crazy. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? This shit wasn't like that. I don't know. It's weird, man. So who knows? I mean, I, I, like Southern, excuse me, Southern California. When I started going to things, I think a lot of it all seemed scary to me because I was little, Yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of it was that I was going by myself a lot of the time. I had like one homie when I was like 11, 11, 12 years old. That was like also into punk too. That was like a grade older than me. And we would go and, you know, you would get fucked with and picked on and like, you know, that was huge in my head, but it was probably nothing to whoever was doing it. You know what I mean? And I was sitting here like, oh, am I going to get beat up? Like what's going to happen? You know, I'm 12. Like, I don't, I don't really know what's, you know, you're like a little spooked by everything. And, and yeah, I mean, I get, it doesn't, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was crazy or, or really not or not, you know, maybe, you know, I think it's all up to the interpretation of, of the person, how old they are, whatever, what they think is no big deal. I don't know. Uh, so where'd you, what was your first like actual punk show punk show? Cause you mentioned like, you know, you're into all this stuff, but at a certain point, like you go punk, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say like uh, probably some of the first shit I, I saw was like there was a record store kind of near where I uh, where I lived when I was a little kid in like North County, San Diego and uh, like middle school, probably like sixth, seventh grade. And they would do like local punk shit. So I feel like I like probably some of the first stuff I saw like that was was uh was was like they would like a record like a record store in store by some, you know, local band. Like, uh, I don't really remember much of that i mean let me think like well, i was by about by the time i was about maybe 11 or 12 i feel like i saw rancid and i saw like when i was 13 i saw the ramones that was one um there was a local band the ramones show i remember there was a local band that opened that i, th I feel like they were on like deep six or something like that or one of those labels but this band called the neighbors who was oh, uh yeah do you, you remember them? Yeah, I remember they've got, I, I, I can picture the LP. I think I might even have it, but. Right. Rips. It's, it's, it's amazing. But they were just this weird phenomenon because like, to me, I was like, yo, the neighbors, like they're just like a local San Diego band. Like, like, I think it's cool, but it's not cool. You know what I mean? Like, 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 and then I remember it kind of like when I got older, it got, it, it somehow got kind of adjacent to stuff I was into in my late teens. And I was like, yo, that's weird. I'm like, I saw them open for the Ramones. Like that, that's what I know about them. And they're just really fast. And uh, it made sense to me, but, uh, but I remember thinking that was weird. But I remember seeing them when I was little. Um, God, I'm trying to remember. Was Blink going yet? Blink, Blink, I don't believe I saw. I mean, I'm sure they were. Yeah. But I saw them. Um. I never, I ne like, I, I never really saw Blink on purpose, but they were like a really big local band. You know what I mean? Like, like what, I, like, and I think by the time I was like fourteen, they were, I think they were on Warped Tour and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I feel like they, or at least at the very least, were like playing that one because they were from there, um, or whatever. But they were probably, I mean, I feel like by the by the time I was in like, like thirteen or fourteen, maybe they they were what's it called? Uh, when did Dude Ranch come out? <laughs> I feel like it might have been around then. Yeah, I guess that would have been like 97, 98. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Like I was like, you know, they were they were pretty substantially big then. Um, 
I did see them, but it was never really on purpose. You know what I mean? And like, yo, like as a, as a 39 year old adult now, like I totally like, but, but like, you know, I, I, I back then I, I, I you know, it, I definitely secretly thought it was kind of fun. You know, I liked the way it sounded, but I was like, I ain't telling nobody this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not telling like, um, obviously like by the time I was in my twenties, I was like, Oh yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like this shit's fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I definitely, I saw them, you know, and I would, I would see them too. There was a, this van that venue in San Diego, Soma, that's been around for fucking ever, um, in different incarnations. Um, the nineties, like they would do this new year's Eve thing and they would rent out the San Diego sports arena. Like it was huge. And it would be like, it would be something like that. Like, and this was probably when I was about 15, it was like, uh, I remember the, the year I went, it was like Blink played, but then like Strife played also. Like it was everything, you know what I mean? It was like everything that was like kind of that caliber of stuff. And yeah. it was like a page on each side and it would just, you go to one side, then you go to the other. And it was like, you know, that was just where you went on New Year's, you know? And even if we were like, oh, we're super fucking punk and we don't really like this shit, like that's still where you went. And I don't know, I'm trying to think, yeah, first punk shit. Fluff's from San Diego, right? Yeah. Fluff is from San Diego. Um, same shit. I saw, I feel like I saw them, but never on purpose. <laughs> there was a lot, a lot of like, just, you know, you start going to show, you start going to everything, you know what I mean? You start going to shows because they exist. And it was like anything that was like adjacent to that, to punk or anything like that. I was, you know, I would try to go see. And like I said, like the second I turned 13 though, I like everything got put on pause. So I wasn't back until I was 50. So I didn't yeah. like from like, 1995 until 97 I, I i did come home to visit and that was when i went to that warp tour with like limp biscuit and, and sick of it all okay. and all that, that was yeah. I, I, mom got me a ticket for it because the same shit she was like i think this is something you'll like um and you're home visiting from this like bad kid school where you're not allowed to do anything fun and um i went to that i remember i went to warp tour i was 14 i went by myself it was very weird because like i was just rolling around solo i didn't have any friends I didn't know anybody. Um, but yeah, there was like a pause, like a whole pause in my shit there where I didn't, I didn't get to get to do anything or listen to anything. Like I, I really didn't like, we smuggled a rancid tape in and that was the only thing we had was this was rancid. Let's go. So that was like the only thing I liked for like a two year period. And most of the stuff I did get into a lot of shit while I was there, but it was cause like I made a friend there who I'm still friends with. Um, my buddy Joe and he's, he's from New York and he really was putting me on to like, like what was popping over there for him, but it was all just conversations. Like I didn't know what it sounded like, like, you know what I mean? It was like, when I got out of there, it was like, what is the casualties? Like what is blank 77, like war zone? What are these things? Uh, because I've been listening to you talk about them to me for two years. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna go get all of this. And I mean, I loved all of it and you know, it's a wrap. That's, that was it. But like, but for a long time, it was just a conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Joe, Joe was, cause you, you know, mentioned, you know, I know, you know, that Joe is the drummer. He was the drummer of spitting teeth. The okay. second drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, um, it must be so fucking crazy given your relationship to let's go being the only record that you had for that time period for a while, given like Tim Armstrong repping you guys so heavy now and being Dude, involved with you guys. I mean, that's just homie shit. Like, like I just, like I literally, I would just had dinner with him before I yeah. came here. Like, that's like, that's my guy, man. Like he lives like five minutes away from me. And, you know, we met under like non-musical circumstances and uh, just as far as like 
me personally, like having, you know, substance abuse problems and what have you, and not, you know, not drinking and not doing drugs like that, that, that's sort of how, you know, that's how I know that. Too. And then, you know, you start hanging out and then you start becoming better friends and this and that. And then, it, then it becomes about music because obviously we both like that shit. And, you know, we kind of hit it off eventually over time because of like, Oh, we can't, we like a lot of the same stuff and this and that. And yeah, now, like, I mean, now it's just like, you know, like he's, you know, he did a song on, on our record, like me and him wrote it together, you know, this and that. And it was, uh, and I mean, that I was, I was giving him a ride home. I was like, yo, you want to sing on the record? And he's just like, yeah, yes. He's like, I just, you know, I would love to. And it was as easy as that, you know, yeah. but that's just my guy, man. You know? And, uh, it is weird though, because it's the type of thing where it's just like these people that you grow up, uh, thinking are like larger than life. You know, they're like, like out of, kind of out of reach i met him when i was a little kid i met him when i was 15 and he was real nice to me then so i was like okay this ain't that far out of reach um and uh whatever but you know fast forward 15 years 30 you know excuse me 20 fucking whatever i can't do math fucking 20 years <laughs> yeah. uh 15 years um and and now you know and now we're friends i don't know it just you know the world is crazy <laughs> you know doing music with him was cool though that shit is, that, that was, you know, it still feels crazy to me because it's like, even if you're friends with someone, even if you guys talk on the phone every day or go get lunch, you know, do regular shit when it's like, yo, we're about to do some a song together. That's crazy. Like, that's, that's, that's a crazy thing for me. Even like, yo, this fool painted this Section H shirt and wore it at the, the LA show. And I was like, that is still crazy to me, even though we hang out all the time because you're still doing that while you're up there doing this whole rancid thing in front of all these people, that that's, that's crazy. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's wild. Like it, it feels like this is the genre where you can make that happen. You know, like, you know, if you'd stayed in metal, I don't know how easy it would be to be collaborating with Metallica. You know? <laughs> yeah. It is definitely like, you know, because even even with these bands that are like, you know, quote unquote, like legendary or big or old or any of that type of stuff, dude, I mean, they're still regular people. They still go to shows. A lot of them are still around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially here. You know what I mean? You go to a show here and there is almost no separation between like artist and audience. You know what I mean? People are around and people like music and people that live here are, are going out and going to shows and supporting things and being a part of it. You know what I mean? So it's like. I'll go to a show and I'm like, yo, this is crazy. I played, yo, our old band, the band we were in, a bunch of us were in before Section 8. We, we played a couple shows with Discharge, just a little Discharge, whatever, yeah. version yeah. of it. Um, and I remember, like, I met Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses there because he was just at this Discharge show, like, because that's because that's what he likes. You know yeah. what I mean? That's so sick. Like, like you're like a full-blown rock star, but, like, you're not at all. Like you pull up when the opening band is playing. Like we and him chopped it up because he was talking to me about how he liked our set. Like and we played first. I'm like, yo, this dude pulls up early, watches every band, and like, like you are you don't have to be here. You know what I mean? Like especially now, like you're a fucking you know you're you're, you're playing you play in stadiums and you you don't have to be down here doing this, but it's what you like, and that shit is cool to me. You know? Yeah. Well, that's what that's like the whole gimmick of this podcast is the fact that like I think everyone that was like actually in a punk 
is always got that, like always retains that somehow in their soul where you can just, as long as you bring them back to talking about punk, they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll want to talk about music or something. It's something that we like, I don't know. It's something weird that draws us all to it and then stays with us for life, no matter how hard we try. I mean, could you imagine not doing this? Like not being into it? Like what else is there? What, like, I, that doesn't like, like, I go, I, I still, if it's possible, I go to like three, four shows a week. Like I still hang out all the time because it's, because it's fun because mm -hmm. it's never got boring to me, you know, and I'm more tired. You know what I mean? Like I'm more, I'm sitting in the back or I'm like, you know, find a little spot in a corner where like no one will run into me or whatever. But like, if I even sort of like something, I'm like, yo, I'm going, you know what I mean? Like I'm going, I'm going to watch this band. Like, like, like I'm, pissed off because fuck dude halloween i was supposed to go to one show and now i found out that we're playing another one which is a really big crazy thing we're doing on on halloween um but i got wanted to go see nothing because they're playing this halloween show here and i was like that that'll be really fun and i like those dudes yeah. as people but not but then we're playing it's funny we're playing with chief keith on halloween <laughs> i saw that show so, got announced i was like yeah we gotta go do that like that like, like we have like that that is like mad and cool and weird and you know i love doing stuff like that so so i'm like all right we can't do the other one but i'm like fuck is there a way i can do both like can i go to maybe jump you know go do this play this show leave and go over here and watch this i mean i'll do shit like that i, I try to like you know i love this shit man it's so fun like it really is and like i hit a i hit a wave a little phase where i turned into like a piece of shit bar person for a while when i still lived in washington where i was like yeah you know this is cool but i'd rather just like get drunk and do coke and fucking you know, sit around at some shitty bar, like in someone's fucking living room. And it's just like, but that was very short lived. You know what I mean? I was like, all right. And then, and then I moved to LA and I just got right back into it again. I'm like, okay, this is why, you know, cause the Northwest is weird. Like I, I, I was there for 10 years and it's sort of cool and it's sort of fucking terrible. You know, it, it goes, it goes, it goes through, you know, it goes through, through phases. Like, there, there was a point where like, you know, I was having a really good time and I thought for a while that it was like, I out, like, I was like, did I outgrow this? Did I get tired of it? Like what, what happened here? And then I'm like, no, it just kind of fucking sucks now. Like it sucks here now. Like the, the cool people have got, have grown out of it or gone away or moved away or moved somewhere better. And then there's like a younger, there's not really much of maybe a younger generation of people. And like, um, then I came here and I was like, okay, it's, it's popping here. This is, this is, this is what I want. This is, I want to go to shows every do you think it was like all those dot com kind of tech, Starbucks, Amazon type things moving in there that changed the culture? So I missed that. Like I got out before that happened. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously the Starbucks based there, but like uh, the the whole like uh, the tech thing and the Amazon thing that happened after I moved. Um, so I would go back and I was like, oh, this place. I mean, I thought it sucked when I was here. This place fucking sucks. Like I just do. I'm the type of person where like ask what to do i just go back to what's familiar and um like i went back to uh you know the area i hung out in where like the places i liked going to were at like where my friends worked and this and that and i was like where is everybody you know and everybody's like oh well, no one hangs out up here anymore because it sucks now and i'm like oh okay and that was weird to me because it was like it's still kind of it, it looked the same ish i guess but i guess there wasn't really nobody hanging around like i remember like like I remember the day I moved to Seattle. Well, I didn't move to Seattle. The day I landed there and just was like, I, I got stuck there. 
when I was 17 and just, I didn't leave for 10 years. Um, How did that happen? I, okay. Okay. So that, so my friend I was telling you about earlier that I went to the bad kid school with, that was like telling me about all these bands and this and that, and like really shaped a lot of the stuff I got into after I got out of there. This is when we still, you know, we still had landlines and everything. And, and I called him when I was maybe 15 or 16 and he had, we'd all got, we're all, we're all back home now. And he's back in New York and I am in San Diego and I've talked to him on the phone and he starts telling me about like, Oh, I'm thinking of moving to Seattle. And I was like, okay, that's, that's cool. He's like, Oh, I know some band, some, some band out there that I am friends with. They played out here, whatever. I'm probably going to go there. And I was like, cool. And then I just didn't talk to him again for, you know, what felt like a year, but who, who I don't really know how long it was. Um, and at that time I wasn't living at home. I was like living in this weird attic and I was, or like just sleeping on rooftops or just doing whatever. I just did, you know, things weird, home got weird and I wasn't there. And I ended up getting, um, I ended up back at my mother's house because I got, um, I got my head cracked open by a grocery store employee after my friends stole some shit, I got pulled out of a moving vehicle and busted my head open. And Holy they were shit. stealing. I never went to the store, but they they caught me somehow, even though I had no, I technically had nothing to do with it. I was just with those dudes. Uh, whatever. So I get held. I end up getting arrested. I got arrested for curfew. They held me there and they're like, oh, he didn't actually steal anything, but it's past 10 p.m. So we're arresting you. And I was like, I don't live at home, whatever. And they finally were like, well, your mom needs to come get you. I'm like, well, my mom's not going to come get me because I, she doesn't want we don't we don't talk. And they, uh, finally they're like, well, we're going to drive you, you know, an hour away from where we are and drop you off at your mom's house. And they did. They dropped me off my mom's doorstep with like blood all over me. My head split open. They like they haven't taken you to the hospital. Nothing at this point. They, just... they didn't do anything. Just, I was all covered in blood. They dropped me off my mom's house Holy and, fuck. and they, uh, whatever. I'm back there for a second. And like, my mom was like, well, obviously like, you know, we don't get along, you know, you know, whatever, you don't want to be here. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if you wanted me there or not. It's hard to tell, you know, cause I mean, I was, I was not an easy kid to be the parent of, I don't think at that time. And she was like, was there, you know, is there anywhere you, you would want to go? And I was like, well, I remember Joe said he might be moving to Seattle. My, my other little homie I hung out with had met another punk rocker that was in the military that had, was stationed in San Diego. They hung out for like a week and he was like, Oh, I know this dude. And he lives up there too. And my mom was like, I'll, I'll buy you a Greyhound ticket. If you want to go up there and just, you know, get out of here for a while. I was like, cool. That's awesome. So I just hopped on a Greyhound and went to Seattle with no real plan. And I get there, we meet up with the kid that my friend knew. And then this other, other dude was with him. It's another like punk rock fool. And I asked them, I'm like, yo, do you know a new dude named Joe that's from New York? I think he moved here, maybe. And they were like, yeah, we're going to his house. There's a party at his house right now. And we went there and I went in like 30 minutes. And that was, that was it. And then, and, and yeah. So I got there. I, 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 I go see this dude. I hadn't seen him in two years, which, you know, when you're a teenager, that's like a decade. Um, and yeah, I just like fucked around, like stayed on his couch, you know, lived in a car for a while, just did all that for, for a minute. And, and was just, I was there. That was it. I was like, all right, I'm stuck. in. I wasn't stuck in Seattle. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't plan on, I, well, there was nowhere to come back to at the time. You know what I mean? It was like, now I'm here. Hmm. I'm going to make this work. And I did, you know, for 10 years. 
and that's that's just where i was at <laughs> yeah so how did you start playing music um i started i mean i i i learned i i got a guitar when i was little i have a musical family um my, my dad played like played country music and stuff like that and like my mom knows how to play the piano everyone in my family knows how to sing like actually sing like well you know what i mean like 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 even myself but i just choose to yell like a fucking idiot but uh that's for record four yeah oh yeah um hit some hit some fucking notes exactly but, um yeah dude the uh um I got to get, you know, I got a guitar when I was like probably in fifth, I think I was in fifth grade. Originally, like I was going to do piano lessons. I did like one. I'm like, yo, it's whack. Like it was just a whack instrument to me, which now in hindsight, I think that that's not true. I think it's very cool, but mm. I, a little kid, I want to be a rocker. That's fucking bullshit. You know, like piano's bullshit. And uh, yeah, I started, I mean, I started doing band, like I think the first bands I was in, I had like a high, like a little kid high school band when I was like 15, probably. Um, and then I, and then I played bass in a band. My brother, my brother played like, uh, like he was really, he was into like ska and reggae and like stuff like that. And he had like some skinhead friends. Um, and I played bass for this band. It was like all of my brother's skinhead friends and 15 year old me, uh, for a little bit. We like, we had a couple of our own stuff. We played like some parties, like we had a couple of our own songs and we like covered the last resort. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. Covered- over King of the Jungle by Last Resort. That's like one thing I remember. And I was, you know, I was 15 years old and I was like, yeah, I'm like in this fucking, this band with these like, kind of like, well, I thought like scary dudes, you know, and whatever. Like, and like, I, I feel like they, like they maybe put like an American flag on my base, like just some bullshit like, and bullshit. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I like, started doing band stuff then. And then like, when I got to Seattle, like I was still, I was still like, you know, I was still like a fucking bum. I was still like, like, sleeping outside or like in a car for a while, all that type of stuff. And I, I joined a band with uh, one of the dudes I met that first day I got there. That was sort of like a, for like lack of a better description, I would say it was like, you know, something kind of like Os Rotten, like that type of stuff. Like, yeah. like, like, like slightly grosser, but still adjacent to the casualties <laughs> punk, you know, <laughs> uh, and I played in a band with, I, I played, I played, play guitar for this band for for a little bit i think i only maybe played two shows with them and then i was like off being weird homeless guy like i, I you know what i mean i kind of disappeared on them and and then yeah and then i i started uh i started sleeping in the kitchen of this apartment uh of this dude neil and this other guy it was like a one bedroom apartment neil lived on like a futon in the living room this fool lived in the bedroom me and my like homeless fucking girlfriend lived in the kitchen like most of the time on just you sleeping wherever you could type of situation mm-hmm. and the uh the guy in the bedroom ended up get, he ended up getting annoyed with everybody being there and he moved out and i moved in there and the dude i lived with that dude neil he me and him started spitting teeth that was the dude that sang for that band okay so it kind of started then we started like let's do a band you know what i mean like because we are around each other every day and we sort of like the same shit you know and i said i was probably the first band i did that that like did kind of did did anything you know was that one like did more than just play three shows and then not like not have a name <laughs> like whatever so well in, in hardcore terms you guys did a lot you know like that's the thing like you know most bands just put out the demo and that's it if you get to the first seven inch but to do like a few seven inches and especially havoc records at that time was like 
that was it. Like that's the sub pop of our world. Yes, it was. It was very like, like it was. It was huge to me. You know what I mean? Because I was. I was pretty. You know, I was pretty young then. I think I was probably like when that when we, the Havoc Seven Inch came out. I feel like I was maybe nineteen mm. or something like that. And that was like massive to me because of like exactly what you're exactly what you're saying, like Havoc and Six Two Five and like like those two especially like i was just buying anything and everything from that world and like especially before like when i still lived in california like i was a massive destroy code 13 guy like a i was just a felix havoc fan so that label was a big deal to me and you know you don't remember what it was dude they had everything good they had like everything good was was coming out through them and i mean i will say i don't have a lot of regrets but i think my biggest regret was like us just being completely unable to put out like a good, re- like a, I would say, a, not a good record, but like a good. We recorded it in a fucking kitchen, like it was fucked. Like our homie was like, "I have fucking sorry, no problem." Um, like I have Pro Tools or Garage Band, whatever the fuck it was. I can record your band, and I was like awesome we don't have to go to a studio like like we could just do it here this will be fine and it was like and i got the shitty amp and i couldn't really get to have a distortion on it so i remember it was like i listen to it now and i'm like dude it's like it's like templar's tone you know what i mean (laughs) it's like which works great for that but but like was not what we were trying to do like i mean we were just so fun we were such a we're the ultimate fuck up band. You know what I mean? We, we pulled to shows like local shows where we lived and we pull it to like a touring band and be like we didn't bring any gear like we don't even have I would I didn't even play my own guitar. Like we just were so shitty. We were just so bad at being a band. And like I wish the record on Havoc, because it seems to be the one that appears all the time, you know, mm-hmm. like go through the it's a total like it's the ultimate dollar bin record, I feel like. It's like, oh, there's the fucking spinning teeth havoc. Like it's just fucking everywhere. Um I still see it all the time and I'm like, fuck, dude. Like I wish this was better. <laughs> but you know. I think, every, every, I think that's the thing about Havoc, too, is, like, Felix pressed so many of those records that, yeah, like, the, our most visible 7-inch is definitely the Litany Havoc pressing, which yeah. is, you know, it's like, in every store ever, because Felix, that was, and that was also, like, you look at his pressing histories of some of the stuff, like, like, that Osron single, like, what is it, like, 15,000 copies of that that he pressed? Do you remember how fucking important that record was, though, when that was... When- I was little that shit was like dude i mean at the time i was like osrodden was this like very important thing and like you know what they and they were like a total gateway man if you were like a spiky punk fucking idiot like drunk punk guy then you heard that and you were like maybe i should care about stuff you know what i mean like it was like that was like all right i like the casualties and i like blank 77 and and these and these other like these new york bands and all this shit and then it was like and, and then like and they play with this band os rotten and i started listening to that that was like my gateway into a bunch of things you know that that record was so so important i still listen to it sometimes now like fuck nazi sympathy i listen to that shit like probably like once a month just revisit just go on youtube and listen to it or some shit in my my car and i'm like yo this shit rips dude this shit was good and it was like now i'm like yo that shit people still care about that and that's cool you know yeah. that that's it really was and it's like the sloppiest shittiest songs ever but people people give a fuck about that you know what i mean and it's, that shit was important and it really was like that was like my you know i got into that and that was kind of what got me looking at like havoc records you know what i mean like was like something like that and then i was like okay there's other things here like what is you know 
and then the same that was like code 13 was happening at the time and then like you know i knew some you know started knowing more like cross punk type fools and i'm like okay what's destroyed like what is this shirt the artwork looks crazy it says burn this racist system down i want to know what that is you know and <laughs> fucking whatever and then yeah it was like osron was like the full gateway band into like taking shit more seriously i felt like you know like musically and like i don't want to hear any more songs about beer you know did you guys play with costa christ ever uh yeah um we did uh we played chicago fest the same year that they did um the one time we did that we played um, that year too but i think we played on different days i think yeah what, what year was that i think was that, was that the third one the third chicago fest it was one after the really nuts one where like no justice played it was like the very calm one in the huge, huge I went hall. really nuts one that was it was uh, it got shut down during gordon Soli motherfuckers that was the year before i think right that you guys oh, did you guys that play one, that one did i skip a year okay because i went once me me and, and neil from spitting teeth and this other fool flew out there we went to chicago fest and i believe it was chicago fest two hmm. i think it was the second one and it was the year that like it was, you know, Life's Hall played. Gordon Soli like shut the fest down. Felix Havoc went to jail, and Dave from Tear It Up they both went to jail. Uh, trying to remember what else. Like it was, it was, and I saw a video recently of the Gordon Soli set, and I was like, dude, it was so crazy when I was in the middle of it, and like I watched the video of it now, and I'm like, this is just we were just, this is we were being stupid. This isn't even that crazy. Like the craziest thing I saw was like I saw a kid hanging from a chandelier like a cartoon like in a cartoon <laughs> like i was like yo you don't actually hang from a chandelier because it's not possible you know what i mean but this guy was small enough and he was like swinging on a chandelier and i'm like yo i've never seen that in real life before but uh it was crazy it was cool but it just you know it was like out of college i remember so they were like shut it down you know and all these cops came and, and then they moved it to like somewhere in chicago that just i remember it was it was just the hood because we we're walking all this all these people are walking down the street to go to this little like basement that said that they would let the fest continue there and i think it lasted for for like a couple songs or whatever band was playing it was over after that but i remember like walking through and people were just hanging out their windows just looking at all was like what are all these people doing here like what are kind of like yo like what are all these white dudes doing here you know like that type of shit like we, we looked and felt very out of place there and I'm not really even sure where I was, but yeah. you know, I was a teenager then and uh, never been in Chicago before. But whatever year that was that we, yeah, Costa Christ played. Cause that must've been two years after that. I don't know. Time is weird back then. You yeah. know? Yeah. Feel, feel like it was the year after, but maybe it wasn't. I think it was the year after. I think it was the next year was the year that we played and you guys played and Felix did the glass cover version of the seven inch. Yeah. The one that destroyed the record. Yeah. That's yeah. the one. Well, the one that he didn't put the record in his sleeve, so it just wrecked. It just destroyed any 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 record. Yo, you know what's fucked up about that? Like when I went out there for that trip, I was like, I'm gonna stay and so I'm gonna stay a couple of days. I like had a relaxed trip out there, and then Neil, our singer, had to fly back like immediately after we played. And I remember like giving him the leftover, like like our our box of glass covers records, like which was like a bunch of them. We got like, I think to pick home to some people, and I was like, you take these back to Seattle. And it was like this, I just remember him having to like walk really far with like the world's heaviest box of record and just looking real miserable. And I don't know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't care at the time, but that thing was crazy. I still have one. I mean, I have, I have all that shit. I never got rid of any of it. It comes up sometimes though, like the glass cover thing. Cause it's just like a, such a weird thing. It didn't even look particularly cool. It was just like, just like a good idea. Yeah. Like it was definitely the height of 
you know, like post Charles Bronson metal sleeve, ridiculous cover in hardcore thing. And that was like, he also did one uh, that was like a spray painted sleeve of some sort for like um, a regulations LP. Okay. Yeah. But the spray paint warped the records. Good. Good. All right. Great. I actually, speaking of Felix doing like nerdy bullshit like that though, like I got something from him in the last like year or two that he did like a stupid cover for again that ended up looking really cool. He did a, he reissued a, a old Disphere record and it had, a, uh, it had like a like metal, like tin cover. I was kind of hyped on that because I was like, this just reminds me of when we were younger. You made these, these things, just these things just to make the record weird. And it was like those like, so one of the, I can't remember which Disphere record it is, but it's like one of the first two or three, like it's pre Thomas Lindbergh like when they were kind of a better band and um and yeah i don't know I, was, I, I i'm glad to see that he like hasn't really changed at all and just is doing stuff like that that's i mean that shit's cool man i like stuff like i like weird records like that i like unnecessary covers <laughs> and shit i also remember uh at that show i saw one two go crew perform the guy that you went up doing the split with uh, yeah. I, at the t- I at the time I remember being so bummed out. Now I'd like to see it as a more mature person, and I probably maybe have a different perspective. But at the time, I remember being like, "Oh!" And I loved your band. And then I was like, "When you guys did the split with them, I'm like, oh, why are they doing a split with this guy?" I don't even really remember how that happened. Like we met the dude, and he was nice, you know, and it was super just, nice. I was like, okay, you know, like he was like, oh, let's. Look. I, I I don't remember like really whose idea that was. Um, Cause that was like, we did, we did our first record. We, we did it with that label. Well, it was a label. It's a record store. One, two, three, four, go in, in the Bay in, mm-hmm. in Oakland. It was when it was just a record. Label. The first thing they ever did was put the first spinning T seven inch out. And then the third spinning T seven inch was that split with one, two go crew. And I feel like that maybe might've even been like Steve, the dude that owns the record store. It might've even been his idea. Like, I don't okay. remember. I, I, I would never have like known or thought anything about that was like, I, I, I was neither here nor there. I was like, what the fuck? Like, kind of like, what the fuck is this? And <laughs> like, especially at that time too, like I was also like, I, I'd stopped being straight edge and I was like, I'm doing drugs the second we're not playing. So like, whatever, whatever we're doing, cool. I'm outside getting drunk and falling over or whatever and being a child. But uh, yeah, that was, yeah, I don't know. That was what's funny to say. I feel what kind of sucks about it is I felt like the spinning tea stuff on there was like better than the others. Like was the, the songs we did were better. Yeah. Yeah. I wish it had first. Like I wish those were on the Havoc record that's fucking everywhere. So I could be like, oh, I had this band when I was a kid and it like isn't totally terrible. <laughs> the first seven inch is awesome. I even like the Havoc seven inch too, obviously from the time, but I can see what you're saying. Like it, it doesn't feel like the record you want to be your most distributed record. For sure. I mean, it's also just like, I, I just chalk it up to being like little kid fucking, you know, like learning experience shit. Yeah. Like you're supposed to get better at music with time. You're supposed to get better with. So it's like, yo, I'm like, we're writing these things when we're like fucking teenagers, you know what I mean? And like, we're like, oh, we really like fucking what happens next. And like, you know, fast things and this and that. And like, well, let's start our own band, and, you know, do something kind of like that. And, 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 and we're still figuring out what the fuck to do. I'm also like not a good guitar player at all. (laughs) Not good at all. So still, I'm still not good. That's why I don't play guitar in my band because I'm just not very good at it. And 
because I write everything. Like even the band I'm in now, I write everything. I write all of it. Every note of every single song is written by me. And then I show it to someone who knows how to play better than me. <laughs> yeah. they, they, play, they play it fucking great. But, uh, but like, even then it was just like, yeah, was, uh, the, song, the songs were weird. And, you know, they're fast and dumb. And, and it was just, yeah, it was fun. It was definitely fun. We also just played every show, you know? It was like, that was, it was more of a, like, Spinning Teeth was more of like a thing in the city we lived in as far as like, like the recordings are one thing, but it was like, nah, it was a live thing. It was like, a, it was like, cause we would play with anyone. And we kind of got, we kind of had a bit of a following amongst like our little group of young friends. So like we could, we got asked to play all the time. Like we played with anybody you can think of, we played with, you know? And so like, even back then, like I have all these fond memories of it for, as far as like playing live. And then I'm like, fuck, I wish these seven inches were fucking better, but you know. <laughs> whatever who I, I had another band then too um we did a demo and uh we were really into drugs at the time like we I, like i just started fucking with like coke and speed and stuff like that and it just kind of fell apart um and we only probably played like five or six shows but uh it was like sort of like a basically like i mean for lack of a better word it was like kind of like skit system worship like a oh, little that's awesome I'll send it to you. I have, I have, like, I have it a Dropbox with the whole thing in there. Oh, I want to uh, so hear that. Yeah, we had, we had made this this demo, and I gave it to Felix, and he was like, "I'm going to put this out. Like, this is fucking awesome." Blah blah blah. And that never that never happened because it was just like it was just done. And I, that's the one I was like, I, I like. We were still doing spinning teeth because we were just doing it, but I was like really into this other thing because I liked like, you know, skid system and drugs, and this was like perfect. This is what I wanted to be doing, yeah. and. And I wish that that had like, I wish that had fucking circulated because that shit rips. I listen to it now and I'm like, yo, we were really onto something here. Like this was good. Especially for how young we were. This was, we were, we were a good band. And, but then we played like five shows and broke up. So how, how did the, uh, the, uh, thing with one, two, three, four go records come about? Um, oh, that was from, um, uh, okay. So my second or third place I ever lived, like my third house I moved into, I think I was about, I was like maybe 18 or 19 at that point. Um, I lived in this house full of nerds, it, fellow nerds, fellow, like it was like a house of punk nerd, like for real, like it couldn't have been a nerdier house. So it was every single member of Cold Sweat, except for the drummer. That's um, awesome. Yes. Yeah. Sean Dean and Nick and Evan, who was also in Spitting Teeth. We lived in this house and then Byron and Steve-O that worked at Singles. So everyone, the entire staff is Singles besides Pete. And then like, and then these other two dudes and we all lived in this house and it was just like a conversation, you know, like Steve was like, I'm going to start a record label and I want to put out your record. So that was like, that's how that started. And then one, two, three, four, go was just like a label. And then it was a store. And now it's all, now it's like, I still, I mean, I always, I still go there when I go to the Bay, I pop in and like talk to Steve and you know if he's around and this and that and you know we still chop it up every once in a while and yeah it was just like i don't know it kind of like happened at the same time like i'm gonna do a record label and your band is perfect you know so that's like how that happened i i uh yeah i love that record store every time i'm out there what did i get there last time uh the dynamo dynamo seven inch tight I always find good shit there, man. They seem to just get everything there. Everything seems to stand up there. And then, yeah. like, I remember, I remember one of the last things I got there too. They did some. They did like a collab thing with like with Green Day. 
and like had some shirts there and I bought like a weird Green Day shirt there. Because <laughs> like weird like Green Day, like Oakland A's shirt. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was cool. So I like love Green Day. As an adult, I'm like a massive Green Day guy. So I always kind of was, but I really am now. Like it's like, it's weird. It's like my taste got super juvenile as I got older where I like went full circle back into being uh, like a little kid again. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I spend more time listening to like and now come the wolves and like green day insomniac and earlier probably than I, and, and then like Slayer. That's like all, that's like what I listen to in my car a lot of the time. So well, it's positive music, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's music that makes you feel happy. And like, you know, I still love all this negative stuff, but I was listening to operation Ivy a lot recently and i'm like this fucking rules like you know and it's not even that much ska like that's the thing i really took away from it it's like they are way more a punk band than a ska band operation ivy was the first so i bought four records vi like vinyl the first vinyl i ever bought well operation ivy energy was one of the four first things i ever got mm -hmm. it was operation ivy um dri dealing with it uh an acdc record and a black sabbath record it was the first four things I ever got. So Operation Ivy is always going to be, I got a soft spot for it forever. And like, you know, what trips me out, man, because it's Los Angeles and you just see shit like this is I was, okay. I was at this rancid show that's recent, the recent one. And then like, like Jesse Michaels lives here too. So I see him like walk by and like, I, we're like friendly enough to give each other a nod at most. Like, I don't know that dude, you know what I mean? He's not like a, my friend or anything like that but he's just around yeah and i just kept thinking i'm like dang they're like almost all here like all of this band is here right now except for one dude like that's so cool to me like i just i mean they'll never i done and they're never gonna play that'll never happen you know what i mean but like because i know that you know it obviously comes up but i don't think that'll ever happen but it's still cool to me because i'll just be like oh yo it's operation ivy right over there all together at one time like that's so sick to me i don't know that shit's good man I revisited it again recently too. And yeah. it's still like, yeah, that shit's good. I'm still more partial to Rancid though. Like as I got older, I think, you know, I think the first Rancid record is so good. Like, I think that's like an unstoppable record. It's so fucking, it's, it's so weird sounding. You ever think about how weird Rancid is? Yeah. I think, I think about that a lot. I think about the fact that like the first three Rancid records come out like a year apart. So you think mm -hmm. about how many songs they wrote and also including some like they had some great comp and b-sides around that period as well yeah uh, it's like they were machines you know and like talking to lars and they said they would roll up to shows set up in the van and start writing songs before they sound checked dude i think about the fact that let's go has like fucking 19 songs on it. that's yeah. so that's crazy that's that my band doesn't have 19 songs at all <laughs> three things out now we don't have 19 songs at all we have we get up and play we play like eight songs and then we leave you know what i mean like fuck dude that's so nuts to me and that's like the fact that they were all different and they're all bangers is fucking crazy to me. Like, i don't mm -hmm. know man armstrong's a writing machine though dog like that dude is trips me out man he just he is working on music every day all the time that's all that fool does so he's he's i'm not doing that you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not built the same, you know, uh, certain people that's their, that's their, that's their deal. That's cool. I, I couldn't imagine getting out of a van with your band 
and being like, all right, let's let's write some shit. Like having we sat in this van together for the last six hours. For real. That yo, that's what I think about. I'll be like, let's oh, we're getting out of the van. I don't want to see you motherfuckers for an hour. Run, you know run. I mean? Yeah, dude. I'll be back in a little bit. Is like that's me, you know, like that's so strange. That's I mean, that's cool though. You know, whatever, man. I mean, there's gotta be something to be said too about a band that's basically been the same lineup for that long, too. And they're still they still like each other. Like those they're fucking friends you know what i mean they're they don't live in the same cities you know but you know i've been around them together and i'm like oh you guys are like i I was at the studio one time when they were writing stuff for this new rancid record i was there one day and i was like watching them work together and i'm like this is not like any band i'm in this is Mm -hmm. not the same like you guys are writing this whole thing together you guys are having fun and you all like each other while doing it there's no like butting heads happening here this is really it's just interesting to see you know what i mean like and i guess maybe for me because i'm more of like a i'm like an iron fist like band band asshole type not asshole i'm not i'm nice but like i i i'm like this is how the songs go like i wrote i'm i wrote these here are the songs learn them type of shit you know what i mean like like the current band i'm in now it's like it's 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 basically like the way I write, I, our drummer and me live together. So we, you know, demoed like our LP. We basically, I'm playing him on a practice amp and he had the drum set up in the living room. We just recorded it on a phone. And we're like, that's the song, you know, and like, here, this, this. some of them, even when the album, we were making this album we just did, I, some of it, I was, I was working at a weed shop at the time. I was guarding weed shops at night. So I would park my car in front of the front door of us and I would rob it. I'd fall asleep for like eight hours. And I'll bring my guitar to work with me. So, so, so some of the songs, like even on the record that we just put out now, I wrote like in my car at the weed shop and like the day we were going to start recording the record. Like, uh-huh. I'm like, I got this fast one. This is a real short one. It goes like this, like this, like this, like this, like this. And then boom. And then the, it's, it's a fucking song. now. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't operate the same as some of these other bands, I guess. It's just interesting to watch different dynamics like that. I'm fascinated by their band dynamic, you know, and how they operate. Cause like it is a very closed off camp, you know, like they were just at riot fest and you know, like, you know, and I, and like, you know, no disrespect to them. Cause like, I, I've, you know, obviously know Lars and, and have talked to those guys a bunch, but you know, it is a very, it's like rancid is rancid, you know, and there's like a rancid culture and like they had their own little, like their part of the backstage was like them and their, their dudes, you know, like yeah. it's, a, it's a family. I think I think especially like like for me personally like and my perspective is different because if I'm there I'm in I'm in I'm in there <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. over with that with that group you know what I mean like I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna go hang out I'm hanging out with those dudes you know and and seeing that but I, I, yeah I, I can see I see that um it's uh yeah I mean it's, it's a big thing they just I don't know you know just my whole thing with them man thank God they're still good you know yeah like. The last album they put out was great. It was really like, I was like, I saw the cover of it and I was like, oh, they used the the first album logo on it. Like, yo, that's kind of, something's up here. Like, this has got to be, I bet this is going to be really good. And I listened to it. I'm like, yo, shit, Rich, you guys still, like, I still got it. You know what I mean? And there was a record in there I didn't like that they did. But other than that, there was like one in there that I just thought was okay. But uh, I can't remember what it was called because I don't listen to it. But um <laughs> Like that last one, that last one I fuck with a lot. That shit is that shit's hella good. But uh 
yeah i'm curious they got you know they got another record coming out soon i'm curious what that's going to be like i heard them fucking around with some stuff because i was there one day but i i don't really know much and i haven't heard any of it so uh i'm just you know fingers crossed i'm yeah. sure it seems seems like i still got it um well we've been talking for a long ass time and yeah. i don't want to keep you all night so mike know that anytime you want to come back here the door is always open for a part two for sure this shit is fun this is like <laughs> that's what i like to do man i want to i want to talk about music with people you know what i mean like this shit is this is fun to me you know fucking there's like other podcasts too especially like no no disrespect to anybody else but it's like they, they, you know it's the same topics it's the same stuff people <laughs> about the crazy show that we played in may or or you know stuff that people know about or like what has happened in the last two years of my life and this is way cooler i don't know i like this, this is <laughs> well like to me it's like you know as cool as it is like that obviously that crazy show in may you know like one of the craziest hardcore shows ever that's going to go down in history is like one of those shows you know but at the same time to me, it's way cooler to find out about this house with you and the guys from Cold Sweat and the singles going steady people. <laughs> and just like, because that to me is like, that's fucking awesome. Because like, you know, obviously, I, th I think Cold Sweat's one of the great bands, like one of the great unheralded bands of of our time in hardcore. Oh, yeah. And Sean Dean is a, was a maniac. He's a maniac, dude. The greatest. The greatest yeah. ever. I still I still talk to him sometimes. So like, they, oh, you know. Please I tell him I say hello. I will for sure. I, I you know, I, we get in touch like maybe once a year, you know, I said when, when section hate first started, I sent him, uh, I'm Evan, the bass player of cold sweat. I remember he like ordered a couple, a couple tapes that we had. I remember at one point, one of them was for Sean. Like they all kind we all kind of keep up with each other a little bit. And like a couple years back, Sean sent me some like weird shit. He was up to like, sent me a package full of like strange things, some <laughs> like some other stuff I, I he's you know he's a strange guy you know i don't know where he is right now i feel like he might be in florida because okay. i bumped it i bumped into him in, in texas once but that was now in hindsight i was like that was when i was like in, in that yeah furious styles we played in texas and and he came to the show and i saw him there and i don't know i, I kind of wonder where he is i think i think at last i heard he was in florida maybe i don't know he's a strange guy i was pissed off that they played again when they did that iron lung records Thing and they oh, played the it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't figure out that, that was happening until like a day before. So, so I would have definitely traveled to go see that again. You know, just because. I, I mean, I saw Cold Sweat two hundred times, but but I'd like to see. It <laughs> yeah, you want to see him now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because now it's all just like nostalgia for me. It's all stuff I remember. You know, being 20, 20 years old. You know, and 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 you don't think that you're gonna. It, 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 you don't think it's that big of a deal you know what i mean like especially then too it's like when we were you know we shared members we would play together uh we lived together all that type of stuff and you know you see it all the time you're watching them in a pizza place with 50 people and so it's whatever and then you're like oh this shit was like pretty important you know yeah. now after it's gone you know and it is cool that they got together and played again that, that's pretty that's pretty awesome they tried to get you know they tried to get spitting teeth to do this someone tried to, uh for one two three four go try to get us to play again and it was a conversation and then it was like dude nah man like i'm like i don't even fucking know like like <laughs> nah i it, it, i don't remember what when it was it was like an anniversary thing i remember i feel like it was like fucking whatever like 15 years of 
one, two, three, four, go. I feel like they, they were like, they, and I know they did a show and there was like stuff we were supposed to do it. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. We just didn't end up doing it. There but, was a, a couple years, I guess, after spitting teeth, you know, like literally a couple years, it's like when you have like cold sweat and I guess sex fit would be going and it feels like that scene really picks up. Like there's like a, like obviously historically there's a lot of great bands out of there, you know, and stuff like that. But like, it felt like there was a mass of, you know, great stuff coming out during that period. There's sex fit. I always forget about them. I forget. I forget about them for a little bit. If I go to Seattle, I bump into fucking what's his name? RJ. RJ. Yeah. And, and I would, I like, he had that record store. I would, I would poke my head in there sometimes and just, you know, occasionally like I'll get like a weird DM from him or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like in theory, we still know each other. Um, they were, yeah, that band was fucking good, man. Yeah. All that. There's a lot, yeah. It was, there was a lot of cool, a lot of very weird shit happening in the Northwest. Uh, hold on a second. Hey, can you shut the fuck up? <laughs> the uh, there was a lot of fucking. <laughs> there was a lot of cool shit happening up there. And again, it was just shit that you're just doing in in fucking in passing, and 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 you're just having fun and doing whatever. And it seems small, and then you look back on it and you're like, like. You know, it trips me out when people be like, oh, dude, you like saw this band? You saw, I'm like, yeah, I saw them a million times. Like, you don't think it's that important when you're doing it. You know, mm -hmm. you think it's your own little world and it's like this big. And then 15 years later, it's like some sort of like legendary thing or some shit. I don't know. Music's weird. It's yeah, all well, very well, Yeah, because bands can never be measured in terms of like, you know like uh album sales and all this sort of stuff it's impact that the bands have like operation yeah. ivy man like that that band is inspiring people for generations they, like they, they broke up before that album even came out and that thing's Dude, still inspiring people that's so yeah that's that stuff like that is crazy to me like things like things that are just massive and legendary like that even going back like back in time all the way back to like something like the germs or something like that that was around for like five seconds you mm -hmm. know what i mean couple years but whatever you know what i mean like one album and i'm like you know i still listen to that shit like once a month like 30 years after hearing it the first time you know what i mean and like and, and it still sounds good to me you know and it's still like we were talking about the germs today because uh me and, me and tim were talking about it because we were talking about uh i can't remember what it was uh oh bella lugosi came up i'm like yo he's buried at the same place as darby crash and sometimes i just go there and like look like look at the graves of people that I think are cool. Wow. Like it'll be like the death anniversary of Darby crash. And I'll be like, I'm gonna go to the grave because like someone will be hanging out there and it'll be interesting, you know, or like one of the homies will be like drinking beer there or some shit. And it'll just, you know, just weird shit like that. I'm like, yeah, those things are huge. They're so huge to me, you know, mm -hmm. and so important. And you're like, oh, it was just like a flash. That shit was there for a little while. Then there's other stuff. that just never goes away. There's other stuff that just goes on forever, like you know, like suicidal or something. I like was that. gonna say suicidal tendencies. Look at them. Suicidal is just fucking forever. Doesn't you know? I, I don't. I don't love the lineup they have right now, but I, I'll still go see them. You know what I mean? If it's if it if it's happening and then and, and it, I, it's convenient, like I'll go watch them or something like that. They still it ain't the lineup I want, but that's okay. You know, it, it's it well. There, it's just amazing how some of these bands are able to. You know, and obviously, like, Rance is a better example as far as, like, be able to keep it together where it's still, like, the same people and still get along. 
because when you're in a band you're like how am i going to be around these people for more than six minutes let alone six years or yeah and yeah and a lot of it is just the type of people that they are you know what i yeah. mean it's like dude i mean i i i don't know if i can ever be in any band for a very long time because like a lot of times i'm not the easiest person to get along with and i am i have like a short fuse sometimes and like i've, I've gotten better but there were bands I've been in where like, I've had bands where like members quit and then they come back. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, we're friends. But like, I wanted to murder you for a while. And, you know, <laughs> and then I see something like a band like that, where I'm like, dang, these dudes are really like, they, they don't even be fighting really like that. That's really crazy to me. But I mean, that's just different people. It works sometimes. Sometimes it just, it just works. And even sometimes something like that, like a band that's big enough, the dynamic, like they can live in different cities, you know what I mean? And then they come together and, and they get to work. And then they go back to their own lives and whatnot. But yeah, it is cool to see some bands that just last forever like that. And it's the same, basically the same band. I don't know. Yeah, or like, like Roger and Vinny, you know, being together for that long and, and just like the understanding they must have for each other to be able to be around each other like this. Dude, it, I mean, that shit is sick. I love that. That's fun, <laughs> you know, especially like, like AF, like, okay, yeah. I mean, I love them. They're like, they're, those first couple records are like some of the most important things in the world to me up to a certain point. I always listen to the new stuff they do. And I'm like, Oh, there's, there's some, there's some parts. There's some stuff I like here, but it's not really for, it's for, it's basically like, you know, like Europeans like it. I feel like mostly it's more like European music, if that makes any sense. Um, but I'll go see them live no matter what, you know what I mean? If I'm like, I saw him play, this is hardcore uh, when we played and I fucking loved it. You know, I'm like, Oh, still cool. Still cool to watch live. It's still cool. They're doing it. Still cool. They don't hate each other. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these dudes are working together and, and and doing this music thing, and they, you know, yeah, I don't know, trips me out. It's pretty sick. I mean, sometimes there's a dynamic like that. I got hold on a second. I got a I got a bandmate right now, Ryan, that I played. Uh, he he was he, he was from that band, Product of Waste, and he plays guitar for for Section Hate also. And then my the band I was in before this, he was also in that. And so me okay. and him. Kind like we were talking today about it. It was like, if I'm doing a band, I'm doing it with you. Like we're going to keep, we're going to keep doing stuff together. Cause it, it works. I start, we start something new. It's like, all right, well you're playing guitar, right? You know what I mean? Like it goes, it's just kind of goes without saying. So I definitely, you know, I would say like, especially with that dude, like I have that relationship with him where it was like, if I start another band after this, I'm going to probably want to start it with, with that dude, you know, or, yeah. It's hypothetical saying, you know, maybe we keep doing this band for a long time. I don't know. We'll see. Or it just falls apart. I have no idea. But whatever. See what happens. Well, I'll tell you what happens. You come back on this show whenever you want, my friend. Yes, I will. <laughs> I will. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Mike, for coming on this show. And you heard right there. Mexi will be back for a part two at some point in the near future because there's a lot more to discuss. And speaking of future, future looks bright for Section Hate. Check out this band; they are they rage. Um, and and speaking of future, in a few short days on this show, we go back to the very beginning of punk rock. See, there's a lot of debate. Probably not outside of well, there is debate outside of the show, but a lot of debate on this show about where punk starts, where's the, the origin point of this thing. And, uh, I, you know what, I've, I've felt this thing in my mind for a long time, but after doing this interview, it's confirmed. It really starts 
with Jane County. She is truly the first punk rocker in that New York scene. Like before anyone else is up on that, she's she's already doing that stuff with that at the truck record and and all sorts of amazing stuff. Like Jane County, I feel is one of the most underrated people in rock music. Like I, why isn't Jane County in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Like this is a person who needs to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This is a person who participated in Stonewall was part of Andy Warhol's factory, made all these incredible, you know, <laughs> really challenging plays and, and pieces of theater with all these incredible legends of of just progressive, aggressive theater. And that's all before she invents punk rock. This is a this is a this is an interesting one. I'm very excited for you to hear this episode. Check out Jane County's music. A lot of it is listed under uh, her her old name, Wayne County, and you can find uh, all this stuff on streaming services, by the records, because this is truly one of the most underappreciated artists to ever come out of punk rock. And Anyway, I, I ramble on about all this stuff next week, but it's fresh on my mind right now. All right, that is it. Remember, as always, uh, Black Lives Matter, the lives of Indigenous peoples matter, and we need to protect trans kids. We need to help trans people protect themselves and stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths, people of different races, people of different, just stop all that shit. Just knock all that shit out. Cause this, these things, you know, people's freedom to exist in this world without hate and racism and just oppression and all that stuff thrown on them. That's not political. That's just like a human rights thing. You know, someone's uh, choice of what they want to do with their reproductive system that's not a political issue. That's a that's a, a freedom issue. That's a freedom of choice issue. And that's what this show is all about. You know, that's what punk's all about is just finding a way to live free. So if there's organizations doing work in areas that you feel need support, support them. Get involved. You know, if there's a demonstration coming up in your community that you feel very strongly in favor of, go uh, not, you will not regret be, put, you know, putting your voice behind something you believe in. Uh, speaking of doing things, you know, putting your voice out there, create your own culture. Anyone can do this stuff. Start a band, start a fanzine, start a podcast. Like it's obviously requires a certain amount of financial uh, stability and startup to kind of do this stuff at first, but anyone can do this stuff. And I think that's the, the, problem we have now is because we have all these tools at our hands at all and you know in our hands in the case of cell phones if you have a cell phone or smartphone and it just becomes overwhelming so just try and make something you don't have to show it to the world just show it to your friends it'll make you feel better mentally speaking of feeling better mentally try meditating i didn't believe in it and then i tried it and it works for me this is much a reminder to myself to do it as it is to anyone else but if you're wondering Eh, should I try this thing? Try it. Why not? What's the worst that can happen? Anything that's like a self-improvement thing. If you're like, shit, should I try this thing? Why not? It's not going to hurt you. Worst thing that happens is it wastes 10, 20 minutes of your time. And sometimes it takes a few times to get used to something, you know, like going to a gym or meditating. So give, you know, go easy on yourself. Let yourself come to it, but, but try it. You know, it can make your life a little bit better. Right now I'm trying to learn how to play guitar and it is crushingly hard, way harder than I thought it would be. And 
you know, but it's it's worth it. So I'm going to keep at it. This is also me reminding myself to keep at it. Uh, sign your organ donor cards because when they come looking for those organs, you don't need them. Just sign them and get it done with. Stay safe right now. Uh, this this I, I know I mentioned at the top post pandemic, and I shouldn't have because we're not. There's no post pandemic. We're still in it. So you know, get your shots. Be safe. And I will see you on the other side. Thank you for listening. Bye.